0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about the three steps that I follow uh, in order to develop a financial plan for my clients. Uh, Now, a few weeks ago, I released a podcast episode about uh, or talking about the thing that I think stops... Uh, people from making the most of their financial opportunities, including r- investing regularly. Uh, and it was my thesis that the a lack of context is the main cause for that. Uh, so that is having a long-term plan provides you a, a, a enough context for measuring decisions against and therefore you know avoiding making the wrong decision at the wrong time, investing in the wrong assets, uh, those sorts of things. Like it's very difficult to really work out what investments you should make and when if you don't know where you're heading and you and how to get there. I mean, again, the analogy that I used in that uh, podcast episode was going was like going and asking someone for directions, but without disclosing your destination. It's just impossible for people to uh, give uh, directions in that case. So, a, a financial plan will really give you a long term financial strategy. Will really give you that context for measuring those decisions. Now, over the past two decades, I have developed and refined a, a three-step process for uh, developing a, a plan for a client uh, and found that this sort of discipline and logical approach uh, helps us develop very uh, effective and efficient evidence-based strategies, and that's what I want to talk about, these three steps. Okay, so let's, of course, <laughs> let's start with step number one, should be no surprise. Uh, so step number one is developed develop your strategy at a high level first step two is then uh, develop the detailed advice that underpins that strategy and then step three is really around implementation uh, review and refining the the strategy as changes evolve so they're the three steps really important that you go through those three steps and that you follow you know you keep it a high level step one you can get into the detail only when you get to step two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, let me uh, now spend a bit of time talking about each of those steps. So, as I said, the step number one is develop a high-level strategy. So, uh, that's really about working out, uh, you know, how much surplus cash flow you're going to have over the next period of time, uh, and then how to allocate that surplus cash flow, uh, and what other changes to investments you might need to make in order for you to be able to achieve your goals. So for example, it might be, look, I'm going to work for the next 10 years, I've got a $50,000 a year surplus cash flow, uh, I want to retire in 10 years' time, I need $100,000 to live, after tax obviously, uh, and, and how? what am I going to do with that $50,000 or half a million dollars over the next 10 years uh, in order uh, so that I can achieve my goals? And to answer that question, uh, the the best way to do that is to really build a financial model. And a financial model should forecast out all your income and expenses, not only while you're working, but also into retirement as well. Uh, and then uh, that'll help you determine what surplus investable cash flow you actually do have, uh, either before you retire and even post-retirement. Uh, and then also uh, that cash flow should then filter out into a forecast of your assets and liabilities over time as well. So you want to sort of get a, a picture of how your net worth changes over time. Uh, there's two um, purposes uh, for a financial model. So it needs to do two things. The first one is it needs to measure whether your strategy is actually going to work. So that is, will you know if you do X, Y, and Z over the next 10 years, is that enough to help you achieve your goals? Of course, you need to make sure it's going to work. The second purpose of the strategy is to compare different strategies. And that'll need to eliminate inferior ones and then pick the one that has the highest probability of working. So that is the one that generates the highest return for the lowest risk. Now, they're the two purposes for for financial modelling. It's not about trying to guess or estimate or, or crystal ball gaze about what your financial position will be in 10 years' time. That is kind of irrelevant. It's really, will your financial position be enough in order, you know, generate enough income and and capital gains in order to fund retirement um, without any longevity risk, so without running out of money. Now, it's true that financial modelling, uh, to, to financial model a client strategy is sort of part art part science the science bit is the excel skills and the technical skills and the tax and investment knowledge and so forth uh, that you can i was going to say easily replicate probably not that easy uh, but but you can replicate it the art bit is the is the experience the experience of developing hundreds thousands of strategies over a long period of time Allows you to work out what strategies are going to work best in what scenarios and what circumstances uh, and also what risks to avoid as well. So it's true that realistically most people that are listening to this podcast probably aren't going to have enough uh, skill uh, to, in order to develop or, or financially model out their strategy, uh, but also, and probably most importantly, not enough experience to do it as well. But I thought it was important to still talk through, you know, what is the process in order to develop a, a, a good, robust strategy um, so that you've got a sound understanding of that. And then if you do go and see a financial planner and they don't go through this process, uh, I think it's a bit of a red flag. Now, remember, once you've built your um, financial model, it's then about working out, okay, which asset classes I'm going to hold my wealth in. So either which investments uh, that I currently hold do I need to divest of uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, and the most important one could be underperformance, uh, and then where am I going to reallocate those assets. I believe that most people would be well served by investing in various asset classes, so property, some shares, you know, hold some shares, inside super, outside super, uh, maybe even commercial property, which I've uh, uh, recorded a couple of episodes about uh, in February, I think, uh, on this podcast. But really financial, fa- financially modeling it out allows you to really better understand uh, what combination of asset classes best suits you uh, in terms of risk profile and appetite and also helps you achieve your goals. The other benefit of um, of financially modelling is to understand what level of gearing, what level of borrowings is going to best suit you. So there's two main things that you need to consider, Um, you know, how much uh, debt you're happy to service. So, you know, do you have the cash flow and will you have the cash flow in the future to deal with loan repayments and um, uh, debt repayments and so forth, particularly as interest rates rise? Uh, and then secondly, how that debt behaves long in the long run. I mean, if you've got, you know, 20 or 30 years away from retirement, by the time you get to retirement, the debt's probably going to be immaterial because obviously inflation eats away at the value of that debt. But everyone must consider, you know, what is their debt retirement strategy? You don't want to take a lot of debt into retirement, be sensitive to interest rates uh, because that, that could obviously, you know, upset you in terms of being able to fund retirement. And of course, when you're financially modelling these things out, it's important to make sure whatever strategy you come up with can be implemented. So you're going to need to really consider your actual borrowing capacity, uh, you know, in terms of how much will the banks lend you and so forth. The other thing you need to consider while financially modelling this out is ownership structures. You know, once you've worked out your cash flow and then you've worked out what sort of asset classes you want to invest in, that then typically, or that information typically helps then inform you about sort of what ownership structures you might want to put those assets in and you can model those things out. Um, Some things, common considerations that you're going to need to take into account is income tax payable over your lifetime. So that's not only sort of how does the asset behave from a taxation, income taxation perspective while you're working, but also in retirement. Land tax, if you're investing in property. Capital gains tax, if your strategy requires selling down assets uh, or there's a risk that you'll need to sell down assets. Uh, Of course, current and future projected cash flow, you want to make sure that you're able to, you've got enough money to live. Uh, Borrowing capacity, asset protection, those sorts of things will help sort of determine uh, what are the best ownership structures now it's very tempting at this stage, this stage one, to get involved or get dragged into the detail. If I'm going to invest in property, where is that property going to be, etc. Which buyer's agent I'm going to use, all those sorts of things. Um, it's really important to not get da- dragged down into the detail. Keep it high level. What you really want to work out is, okay, when am I going to retire? How much money do I need to fund retirement? And what are the, the steps that I need to take over the next X number of years in order to uh, make that goal a reality? So it might be I need to invest in a couple of properties, maximize super contributions, make some regular share investments, etc., um, etc. Et that's what you want to develop. That That's a high-level strategy at this first step. If you get bogged down into the detail, you'll likely confuse yourself. You'll end up going around in circles and you'll end up probably developing the wrong strategy so really that step one, number one is the high level detail okay so now once you've completed that first step and you really do understand what your long-term strategy looks like at a high level you then need to develop the detail that underpins that strategy and the first um, or, or the, you know, the most important part of that is really to work out what sort of methodology or philosophy that you will adopt in, in order to help you Um, implement that strategy. Anyone that's a regular listener to this podcast will understand that I constantly bang on about using evidence-based investment methodologies. uh, And that's because I believe that using evidence-based investment methodology reduces your investment risk significantly. You know, if I can point to a whole body of evidence that says if you follow these rules, if you want to invest in shares or property or whatever it might be, Uh, And if you had to follow these rules for the last 30 years, here's the results, here's what the results would have been, and the results are good, Uh, well, then why go and reinvent the wheel or take the risk that you're going to adopt a methodology that isn't backed by that evidence? So when it comes to investing in shares, you're going to need to think about what sort of methodology do you want to adopt? Will you adopt that evidence-based approach? Will you try and pick shares yourself or use a stockbroker? Will you try and pick active fund managers to try and beat the market, et cetera, et cetera? When it comes to investing in property, are you going to try and find this next growth suburb or growth corridor and get in early? Uh, you know, it, it, hopefully you you hear the skepticism in my voice there, or are you going to use a rules-based approach to invest in property? Uh, my book, Investopoly, which obviously this is the name of the podcast, but really goes through all those evidence-based methodologies uh, that that I adopt uh, personally and professionally. Uh, so if you need to know more, you can obviously uh, reach out in regards to that. You're going to need to think about you know what to do with your super. You know everyone's forced to invest in super. Uh, Self employed people aren't necessarily, but should uh, still invest something in super each year. So you're going to need to work out you know wh- where's your super invested and is it working hard for you and so forth. Uh, and don't be lazy with it. I mean a lot of people. Oh, I'll get to that. Uh, and they're with a retail fund, you know, and they're getting ripped off in terms of really low uh, returns and and high fees. Uh, Sorting out your super is a lot simpler uh, than what it might seem at face value. So you need to work out what to do there, whether you're going to go with the industry super fund, a WRAP platform, or set up a self-managed super fund. Either way, make sure that um, it's appropriate for your circumstances, so, if the last over the last ten or twenty years you paid very little attention to super, then my argument might be, or I'd invite you to think about: Are you really going to pay a lot of attention to super over the next ten to twenty years? If not, go for something that's really hands off. Don't go, don't set up a self-managed super fund. If you have a history of not managing money well or making good quality investment decisions, you're probably better off just to outsource it. Find a really good. Uh, another good method to invest your super and kind of outsource it Uh, you need to then work out borrowing strategy you know once you've developed your long-term strategy you really understand what sort of borrowings you're going to need in order to implement it so uh, what you need to do there is build a a good relationship with a an experienced mortgage broker that really can develop a borrowing strategy for you and then help you implement that. I think that's a key one because if we can all access uh, an unlimited amount of borrowings, uh, let's assume that it's affordable to do so, that can help us uh, build a lot of wealth. And finally, in the in the step number two, which is the detail, there's uh, a couple other matters you're going to need to consider. Um, now that you have a really well thought out long-term investment strategy, it will really help you understand how much insurance you need. And I'm talking about personal risk protection insurance, things like income protection, life and total and permanent disability insurances, those sorts of things. Now, once you have a good long-term strategy, you'll really be able to work out how your insurance needs will change over time. Because obviously, if you're in a situation where you've got a relatively weak asset balance, you've got a home loan, you've got young children, et cetera, you're probably kind of at the peak of your insurance needs. But if you then have a strategy on how you're going to move forward, you know, kids will get older, of course, and so that your commitment, your financial commitment will be reducing. Uh, you, over time, you'll be able to repay your home loan. Over time, you're investing and in building your asset base. And as a result, you'll need less insurance. So it provides a, a really good... Uh, forecast or, or forward-looking view of what your insurance needs look like and then how you're going to manage the cost over time. Uh, so you're going to need to think about you know insurance. And one of the things in an investment strategy is one of the key assumptions is that the clients will generate a certain amount level of income for a certain time. Now, if we, if we um, assume that they're not going to do that, if we remove that assumption, then the whole strategy fails typically. So that's the key risk that we need to insure against, uh, but we want to have a strategy on how to manage insurance costs over time. Uh, The second ancillary item is estate planning. So now that you know what sort of asset base you're looking at and what sort of ownership structures you'll be using, uh, that'll help inform you on how your wills and power of attorneys and those sorts of things need to be structured. Okay, so step number one, high level. Step number two, get into the detail. And then step number three, arguably the most important because a fantastic plan that's not implemented is worthless. And step number three is really implementation, review, and then refine the plan over time. Uh, So when we talk about implementation, just typically I can run you through a list of things that we might work on over the first one to two years for a client. Um, that could include things like strategically divesting of any underperforming assets. You know, If they've got any property or shares that we don't like uh, or we don't think is going to generate uh, good quality returns in the future, uh, then we need to divest of them, not necessarily straight away. We want to be strategic about maximising value, of course. Uh, Optimising super, which could include rolling over to a different superannuation arrangement or super fund. Uh, making property investments uh, and if, if the plans to invest in two or more properties need to really then think carefully about the timing of those investments and locality and so forth. Uh, often we'll commence some regular share investing for clients where cash flow allows. Uh, we might refer the clients to an estate planning lawyer to get those estate documents worked out, uh, review their insurances and make any changes in regards to that given we've now got the context of that longer term plan. Uh, and then complete some taxation planning, which could be setting up new structures or restructuring existing structures in order to uh, again accommodate our long-term strategy. So they're just a few items that we'd need to work on uh, in the implementation phase. That they're probably relatively common amongst clients, but of course it could be you know it could be different in your your circumstances. So typically, that first couple of years there's quite a bit to do uh, in terms of implementation. Now, if there's one thing that never changes, it's change itself. Uh, almost guaranteed, as soon as you think think things that aren't going to change for a while, that almost, Murphy's Law almost is, that they will change tomorrow. Uh, so, of course, your plan needs to be flexible enough to navigate those changes. Uh, I find, in my experience, most plans are, uh, just by definition, uh, relatively flexible. Uh, and uh, there's only a, probably a handful of times we've needed to sort of throw out the the current plan and start again in term because the changes have been so significant but uh, of course we need to sit back and think about okay if my situation has changed do I then need to change my investment strategy and realize that most of the time the answer is no although it's tempting to go and change it uh, the answer is typically stick to the strategy uh, that'll serve you best of course uh, regular performance reviews are important as well uh, so that is making sure that investments are performing well, but realise that you know playing the long game requires a lot of patience and discipline uh, to ride through periods of of low market returns. Um, and uh, in some in some cases, because uh, investment returns are rarely distributed evenly uh, each year over you know twenty years, for example, you'll go through periods where uh, certain sectors the markets or sub asset classes will underperform. But if the fundamentals of that investment are sound, then you've really got to have the discipline and patience to ride that through. In fact, I'm going to do a podcast episode about that very topic in a few weeks' time. So there you have it. There's the three steps to developing a a financial strategy. You know, it stands to basic logic, I think, and reason that uh, if you have a well-thought-out strategic plan for yourself in order how you're going to um, create some financial security and, and a, an asset base that uh, will allow you to enjoy a comfortable retirement, uh, That that is a far more successful approach to, to, to doing that and achieving those goals than making ad hoc financial decisions. Uh, and then hopefully this uh, episode is giving you some insight to the work involved and the process, the best process to take uh, in order to develop that strategy. Okay, thanks for listening as always. Uh, Until next week, bye for now.